0: fellow movie lovers and welcome to cult fiction a podcast where we re-examine hollywood's redheaded stepchildren as a redheaded stepchild myself i'm stephanie johnson
1: and i'm andy Bowell and today we are pulling open hollywood's crypt to review the toxic avenger i just want to listen to your body talk body talk i love the sound of your body talk Blah. <laughs> uh so let's get this out of the way this this movie's awful it's so bad (laughs) Uh, alex and i were
0: talking about what i would nominate it for an oscar for and he's like worst movie worst movie
1: (laughs) yeah uh this was the first time either of us had actually seen it and yeah oh boy this is this is a flaming pile of trash that is like, not only on fire, but also squirting blood, because that's kind of the whole aesthetic of this movie.
0: Yes. So let's let's tell the people what the movie is about, Andy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for those of you who skipped the movie, which understandably so, The Toxic Avenger takes place in the New York pseudo-suburb of Traumaville in the mid-80s, and is the story of Melvin, a mild-mannered, if annoyingly dorky health club janitor who is mercilessly bullied by the psychotic patrons of the club where he works. After Melvin is tricked into falling into a vat of toxic sludge, he discovers that he gains superhuman strength and endurance along with horrible physical disfigurement. With his new powers, Melvin is compelled to violently and brutally fight evil in his city, getting revenge on his bullies, saving and falling in love with a blind girl, and finally exposing the corrupt mayor of the town while gaining adoration from the public.
1: And... Like, we put more effort into that synopsis than the filmmakers did. I feel like it's fair to say.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, there's no part of it that I thought, this is redeeming. Like, the script isn't great. The acting isn't great. The
1: acting is, is atrocious. It is insane how just crappy this acting is like, I know we're going to get into it. I, I cannot imagine, I cannot believe that this film had any sort of budget and was not in fact, just like a bunch of crazy kids, college project.
0: I thought that's what it was. Is it not? No.
1: this was, this was an absolute like studio funded released feature film that, that saw time in New York theaters and in fact, the studio that came out with this, this was one of their earlier works, but that is Troma Studios. They named themselves after the, the fake town that they made and just decided that they were going to specialize in this schlocky, so campy it hurts, bloody disgusting kind of fair. And they are still making movies today. Uh, right? <laughs> uh, I don't... I
0: can't. How?
1: (laughs) There are four toxic Avenger movies, and we're not going to we're not going to watch a second of any of the other three beyond this, but like, there this there are four? There, there are four movies, uh, one or two animated kid shows that they tried to get off the ground, and a musical.
0: Yeah, there's a musical. So I was looking it up to watch it. I watched it on YouTube, by your request, Andy. <laughs> and I was typing it in, I was like, Toxic Avenger, and then right under Toxic Avenger full movie was the option. Toxic avenger musical and i was like wait what
1: (laughs) yeah i just i don't get it i don't get it i know you don't get it it's funny i was thinking about this earlier like last time we reviewed my neighbor totoro which is Mm -hmm. unequivocally a good film and we had some debate on whether or not it was actually cult And here, for our second review, we are on the opposite end of the spectrum. This movie is certifiably cult, whether we like it or not, and we, in fact, don't like it, and don't understand how anyone could like this movie. This is a piece of crap.
0: Although, I will say, in the 48-some hours after watching it, I've made, like, three different references to it. (laughs) So, I think that's what makes a movie cult, is that, like you can, it's self-referential, like, you can carry it around with you, kind of like a badge of honor of, I've sat and survived through this piece of crap movie.
1: Sure.
0: Not saying that all cult movies have to be a piece of crap, but, like, I think this is the kind of cult movie where you kind of earn that, again, that badge of honor for having sat through it and survived it, where it's like, I watched Toxic Avenger.
1: Yeah, I mean, it must have. Like, as I was watching the movie, between being utterly perplexed at... Just what was assaulting me from the screen. There was a moment where I, I, I looked at it and I went, okay, I can actually understand how this would be the greatest thing ever to like a 12 year old kid in 1991. Who discovered this at 1 a.m. on one of the weirder basic cable channels? I can see this being like something that just makes the kids' eyes light up, and all the disgusting kills and schlocky, dirty, uh, just just dirtiness of the film being something that really appeals to like specifically that demographic. <laughs>
0: Well, and I will say, not to get on my feminist high horse too soon in the podcast, because, you know, I try to wait like 20 minutes in. I don't know that this movie would ever appeal to any woman ever. Yeah. Or any person of color or any person of disability. I think this is a movie written for straight white dudes because there's mistreatment of disabled people. There's mistreatment of people of a different race. There's mistreatment basically of anyone who isn't a white able-bodied wealthy sure. dude. And I say that because like even they don't even they mistreat children because they say that kids are worth twice as many points when they hit them. Right. Which okay, sorry, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's back up. The crazy gym people who start the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you find out about I want to say like 15 minutes in that what they're doing, what gets them their kicks is that they're doing hit and runs.
1: Yeah. What
0: did you think of that?
1: I, so, so we're introduced, like the, the movie starts with the gym scene montage. And, and I just want to say real quick, like, like that, that five minute montage of like people in super eighties, athletic gear and a lot of zoom in on, on chests and butts with like, With names in front of it, but the camera is zooming in on, you know, TNA. That basically tells you all you need to know about the level of maturity about this movie. And so, yeah, we meet these four bullies, these four psychos. And first they're in the hot tub and they are being extremely offensive to... Melvin the janitor and just generally unpleasant people all around and then like the next time you see them like uh the two of them are having sex in the locker room and the chick pulls a switchblade on Melvin when he walks in and then you see them all in the car and yeah they're doing hit and runs and uh, this movie had to make the most evil characters it could was what i got from that like yeah. like there is no such thing as morally gray or no there's there's no such thing as morally white in tromaville there are people who mm-hmm. are unredeemably evil in just about every single way and then people who are like regular mm-hmm. there's no actual like noble pure white knight figure in the entire movie
0: I'm so glad you said that because I was thinking about Melvin as the quote unquote hero. So Melvin beforehand, I would argue, Melvin, before he's toxic avenger, before he falls in the toxic waste and becomes disfigured and strong. And before he has this compulsion to fight evil, he's not that great of a dude. No. One of the reasons that like when, as you mentioned, the woman in the locker room pulls a switchblade, He's unbuckling his pants to masturbate to them having sex. Is he?
1: Oh my God, I missed that.
0: His, when it shoots back to him, his belt is unbuckled.
1: Whoa.
0: Yeah. So that in and of itself is, but then also he's not a great human. Like he agrees to have sex with someone else's girlfriend. Right. He calls the pink outfit sissy stuff. Which I get that that was kind of a product of its time. Like, yes, men at that time thought Pink was sissy, and that's kind of a thing. But just, like, he never does anything that I'm like, oh, yeah, you're a great dude. You're upstandingly fine. He's just a dude. He's not as evil as the people are.
1: And more than that, like, what I got from it watching it, he is is palpably annoying. From the moment he's on screen, like, I, I know the actor is... not the most attractive dude but he he was very just like I'm laughing at him from the first moment I see him on screen and he's he's sneering and jerking around but like I'm laughing at him I'm not laughing with him I'm laughing at this dude and he's an awful janitor like beyond that he's he's, uh, you know hitting people with the mop and just being an overall genuine mess of a person and I couldn't figure out like, yeah, this came out in, like, 1984. I couldn't figure out if they were coding him as mentally disabled, what with the stuttering yeah. and his overall behavior. It's not too much of a stretch to make that assignment for him. And right. it And it, 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 it's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. And, and even when he becomes a hero... And he he is the character we're meant to root for. It's only because, like, the, the scientist that we see later after Melvin is transformed spells it out to the audience. He is physically compelled to fight evil, which I right. took as it's not necessarily his, like, choice. He's not making the decision to go out and fight crime. He is instinctually forced to do it, which... I think gets in the way of him actually being a a hero figure,
0: right? And later, when he's speaking with to Sarah after after he's transformed, he says, "I don't know why I do this. It's just something in me. So it's not something he's wanting to do."
1: Right. There's there's the moment where he uh, he steam cleans the the little old lady, and <laughs> <laughs> like like the movie doesn't give enough care to actually have there be more than a second of drama, but you know, he steam cleans this little old lady. He murders her. He has a moment of existential freak out. And then within like two minutes, we, the audience are told, Oh yeah, she was like a drunk kingpin and she was absolutely evil.
0: Yeah. She was running a white, a white slavery ring. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 So that's sex slavery basically.
1: Right. Um. So it, it, it creates this weird, hero motivation like like we classified this as a superhero movie before really watching it and it it's it's still kind of a superhero movie but like this is for this is for people who watched Friday the 13th and wanted Jason Voorhees to be the good guy that's that's <laughs> what this is you know
0: what? That is true. That's who this is for. Because it has to be for somebody, because halfway through watching this, I was like, why the hell was this made? This is not good. Right. That's who it's for. Thank you, Andy. You found the audience.
1: Yeah, there you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> My little Melvin. He must have finally reached puberty. I mean, so so, you know, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves and talk about why this is cult, but this played in midnight theaters in new york for years and years and years and years and years years. the only movie that i know off the top of my head that had something like that was rocky horror this very much appealed to people i don't know how but it did
0: and i i had to take myself as watching it i had to take myself out of like my current state of i live in 2018 world where everything is specifically woke and everything is like I don't want to sound like I'm apologizing for PC culture because I agree with PC culture. Like, there is a reason that our world exists like this, but you can't watch it with today's lens
1: at no, all and appreciate all. and enjoy it. No, I, can, I, I, I completely know. agree. Like half of half of the villains are problematic in their own right and not just in their language, but like there's the the first gang of thugs that the Toxic Avenger. Beats up, and it's Mm -hmm. one white dude, two people of color. If I if I uh, pegged them both right, and one of them is gay, but like the most offensive way of portraying a gay man you could possibly do where where he's he's doing the the weird high-pitched effeminate voice and he's wearing a a tutu unironically
0: right well and and the leader of the gang keeps using the word faggot repeatedly right right and then i just i find the word toxic in the title very fitting because one of the words one of the phrases that kept repeating was toxic masculinity as i'm watching this movie
1: yeah i like that i like that connection because
0: women's sexuality is used as such a tool in this film like the women of the bullies who i don't know if they're bullies inherently in and of themselves or if they're bullies because they want the men to like them i don't know if it's internalized misogyny or not. Hmm. But their sexuality is used as a tool in the prank for Melvin. One of the women, Julie, says, oh, I I know, I know what we'll do. We'll make him think that I want to sleep with him and we'll get him in a tutu and we'll bring him out to the pool where everyone can laugh at him. And to be fair, she comes up with that. It's not her boyfriend comes up with that.
1: Yeah, he's but, too busy having coke withdrawal.
0: Oh my God, yes, right? He keeps saying, you're stressing me. And I'm like, mean though i feel like your withdrawal is stressing you yeah. out
1: <laughs> I, I wrote it i wrote down my notes and then i didn't show them to you until after and we both got like the 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 overwhelming coke vibes and i was i was happy about that
0: there's there's very clearly some drug inducement going on because no human reaches that level of rage that easily right it was just insane. So yeah, I I want to talk about that scene specifically. So I want to hear what you thought about the seduction of Melvin.
1: I mean, it was so it was so telegraphed, and I agree. Like people use the term, "Oh, it was a different time," <laughs> and mm-hmm. I rarely accept that as an agreement or as an excuse for behavior. This film was made in a different time and had very upsetting values of what it thought that was okay. Like it was interesting to me that, well, no, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do this movie a favor by, by making something compelling. It wasn't, it wasn't particularly interesting to me that uh, Melvin was so easily seduced because he was brought up as such a, such an equally pathetic character And the kind of person Mm -hmm. who it makes absolute sense that, you know, a pair of tits in his face would be enough to trick him into doing absolutely anything. Given what else happens in this movie, it's pretty juvenile and harmless that the culmination of the trick was to have him make out with a goat. Who the actor got lice from, by the way. Oh, that's upsetting. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: the goat had the goat had lice and by being in close proximity with the goat, Melvin got lice from the goat.
1: Oh, that's so unfortunate. I I uh, I saw on um the IMD fun facts, uh he actually got lit on fire at the end of that scene too where he's he's supposed to yes! be in toxic waste. So that was just a very bad shooting day all around for uh, Melvin's actor.
0: Well, and then so in the very next scene where he's he's at home after falling into toxic waste he stumbles home and he goes into his bathtub and the way that they had to shoot the scene the bathtub had to be extremely, extremely cold. So this man has gotten lice, has been put on fire and then he goes into extremely cold water, which if you know anything about Burns is like something you are not supposed to do that increases blistering that increases scarring right and the whole time the the crew was like is there anything we could do for you and he's like no man to get this scene i need to be in this really cold water it's fine and he just like powered
1: through it i mean good good for him good good for him having a uh, drive and in a dream and and wanting to make the best <laughs> out of this turkey that he could I guess.
0: And then it took him four hours to get into the Toxic Avenger makeup.
1: For, so for like, a scene good god. Like like he's only in the Toxic Avenger makeup for maybe 30 seconds before they switch to like the actual actor who plays Toxie for the rest of it. Okay so it is a different actor. Yes yeah once he, okay. once he becomes the big buff Toxic Avenger uh, I pulled up the IMDb that is Mitch Cohen who, like, it seems like he he would have some wrestling ties, but I don't think he actually did. And then Melvin is played by Mark Torgel. So it's two different actors. It's at least two different voices. <laughs> I want to oh, yeah. talk about that later.
0: You mean the Toxic Avenger voice, how it keeps switching back and forth?
1: It was so infuriating to me.
0: <laughs> like It was so bad. Sometimes it would be a growl. Sometimes it would be, like just this cocky regular people voice.
1: Yeah, first first he like he's a Frankenstein monster and all I can do is grunt and growl and then they start doing the thing where he starts talking but you never see his mouth move and that's where it's the the suave debonair voice. And then later on like they just stop caring and they let Mitch Cohen talk on camera. You you see his mouth move and it's it, it's a third voice it it was so yep it, like this movie is so 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 bad for so many different levels from a production <laughs> standpoint from a writing standpoint like and and, and that's just one uh, of them that kept drawing me out of it as as much as i could even get into this movie but did you want to talk anything else about the prank scene uh, no,
0: just the overall, like, how disrespectful that was to Melvin, how disrespectful that was to the idea of femininity versus masculinity. It just, like, no, in no point in that name am I like, oh, yes, this is fine. Like, all of it was terrible. I guess it's supposed to be.
1: I, I think so. I mean, that's, that's the overwhelming thing is everyone in this movie who, if they're 10% evil, then they're 90% evil. Right. The thing the thing about that scene by the end of it, the thing that in the context of the movie upset me the most wasn't what the bullies did, it's what everyone else did. There's, you know, so so Melvin mm-hmm due to extremely poor luck winds up falling into the vat of toxic waste that just happens to be parked there. And then he falls out of the can and he's sitting there screaming and writhing and not a soul helps him. Everyone just runs. There are people running from across the street to look and point at the guy until, uh, until the two paramedics where it's their job actually help the guy nobody does anything but point and laugh and that that pissed me off so much
0: right right because what if okay so using your point earlier which i totally didn't catch what if he is supposed to be coded as a mentally ill person
1: that makes it even worse yeah
0: that's even worse this mentally ill person who has no idea what's going on is now covered in toxic waste that's eating his flesh and you're gonna point and laugh this is awful none of these people are redeemable at all
1: no, not at all. Like like that's that's the thing and like I feel like I feel like if the screenwriters put any thought at all into the emotional morality of this town, that was the only thing they could think to do to help the audience empathize and relate and root for Toxy cuz oh right. he's 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 hideous looking. Oh my god, he's a monster. Why would we want to be rooting for this guy unless he through his actions whether they are of his own free will or not are the only thing you can root for Interesting And I like I just sit here and think we're we're giving this so much more thought than anybody involved in this project probably did but
0: <laughs> Well and I think that begs another question of like what is art because I think mm. yes this is absolutely cult But it isn't art. There is nothing about this. Like, I sat down to watch this, and afterwards, I turned to my husband, and I was like, Alex, I need to watch something lovely. (laughs) I need to watch something artistic. Because it just felt empty. Sure and i think for me there has for any kind any form of art there has to have some deeper meaning or some deeper conversation that's happening underneath and i don't think this movie is self-aware enough for it to be having that conversation at not all not
1: at all I, I as i was watching it it became clear to me this movie is about tits and gore. Like yeah. that's that's all this movie actually has to say, and and even even not so much the first part. Um, you know there are a couple of of chest reveals, but really this is this is a slasher where you're actively rooting for the slasher, and the only thing that this movie had where it was putting like its best foot forward was the stunt department. You know, there's the incredibly upsetting, and for people who weren't watching, who hadn't seen this movie before, unexpected part where the bullies are doing the hit-and-runs, they take out the kid on the bike, and you're like, okay, well, they're, okay, they're evil. They They are pure evil psychos, and then...
0: But at least that's over with. That's the thought I had. Okay, but at least that
1: part's <laughs> right. done. But at least that part's over. Oh my god, they're reversing.
0: Oh no, it's not. <laughs> he's standing up. Oh, he's not dead. Let's reverse.
1: Okay. Yeah, and you get you get the shot of the car running over the the melon that they they filled with corn syrup that is supposed to be the kid's head. And that's the one thing like like I can look at as somebody who works in the industry and be like that's a pretty good stunt shot of you pretending to run over somebody's head mm-hmm. that is effective. It's horrifying, but it's effective.
0: That's the only positive note I had on my list either was the terrible special effects in this film are just truly a treasure. Right. And I don't think the I don't think the special effects are terrible it's the things that are happening to make them special you know what i'm saying like yeah the fact that they're running over bodies i'm like oh that's terrible but they actually made it convincing
1: (laughs) right exactly it goes back to the thing of this like this is friday the 13th except jason is wearing a cape like this this or a tutu yeah a cape and a tutu as it were this is this is a movie that takes the level of slasher ingenuity and creative kills and that's the one thing that I I feel like they had any any anything to to add to the artistic subconscious of our society. Mm-hmm. That's that's the other reason why I sit here and be like, okay, a thirteen year old enjoys this because. A thirteen-year-old yeah. thinks all these inventive kills are totally awesome. It's so you had a moment with the with with the the hit and run scene, didn't you? Uh,
0: yes. So, <laughs> as often happens in my house on a Friday night, uh, we had a movie night. We we're sitting home and we we're eating, and I said, "Well, I have to watch this movie for this podcast with Andy," and so. I turned to my husband, and he has actually seen this before. It was like several, several, several years ago, probably when he was a 13-year-old lad, his own self. Right. (laughs) And I have a plate full of dinner, and we're sitting down to watch this, and I ask him, is this a bad thing to watch before we eat? And he paused, and he thought about it, and he said, um, we'll be done eating before it gets gross. And in the movie That Is My Life, where there's a narrator over track, the narrator would say, but they were not done eating before it got gross. In fact, (laughs) she had a mouthful of food when it got gross. (laughs) Like, Literally, I had a forkful of food that I just put into my mouth where they run over the kid and I spat it back out on my plate and I just set the plate aside. I'm like, I'm done now. (laughs) (laughs)
1: i'm so sorry but thank you for your service
0: (laughs) (laughs) so we actually paused the movie stopped watching it switched to watching adventure time while we finished dinner and then switched back to watching toxic avenger because i was like i will not eat all of dinner if i have to sit here and watch this movie
1: yeah that's a good idea
0: yeah, yeah. It was, much, it was much more pleasant watching Adventure Time than watching Toxic Adventure while eating.
1: I would imagine. Uh-huh. <laughs> you were smart. You were not
0: eating while you were watching this, correct?
1: Correct. I'm pretty sure I was not. I I, I think I would remember if I was eating anything. I, I remember, like, that part being like, oh! Because <laughs> I just was not expecting this. Because it's sudden. I wasn't expecting this movie to even have that much quality, I guess, or ability to surprise me. I I, I Toxic right. Avenger and like the reason it wound up on this list is because the concept of the Toxic Avenger was something that I would like rub elbows with in other pop culture. You know, I'd see jokes about him in in magazines or on the internet and you know, I was familiar visually with the concept of the Toxic Avenger. being a disfigured superhero that brutally murders people. But you watch this movie and even having that much knowledge, you sit there and really wonder how brutally can he murder people? And turns out pretty brutally. Pretty brutally.
0: Okay. I have a thought. Without this movie, could you have Deadpool?
1: Um, I think you could because the... The core difference is that Deadpool is funny. That's very true. Like Toxie tries to make a couple of jokes um, during the the laundry kill. He 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 does some some racist Asian laundromat impression. Oh yeah, that was so right. terrible. But I, I I totally see where you're going, especially because in 1984, I think Deadpool was still a uh, a glint in uh, Rob Liefeld's eye. And was not an actual character yet. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's that's a really interesting point. Does can can we at least sit here and say that the Toxic Avenger helped pave the way? Was it was it one of the cobblestones laid down early on in the road to modern cinema that is <laughs> like this and I, I guess it like this means means in enjoyable gore deadpool deadpool is a good comparable i like that because he's he's the other ugly disfigured brutally killing indiscriminately hero that we the audience are meant to root for i like that i
0: just i feel like i can't Have seen this without having given it some kind of something like (laughs) I'm like, it has to be meaningful because I spent an hour and 10 minutes of my life that I'll never get back. We're going to
1: create so importance.
0: You know, if there's one thing I'm good at. (laughs) (laughs) So I will say, um, speaking of the way he brutally kills people. You mentioned the milkshake scene. Do you want to talk about that one?
1: Yeah. So, so later on in the movie, this is the second uh, group of toughs that Toxie engages. It's these three dudes who hold up a restaurant, and, and, and I'd like to talk about this whole scene because there's there's a lot to unpack here. Um, mm-hmm. To set the table, there is the the three criminals and it's two white dudes and another uh, African American man, all of them wearing bizarre face paint. Like one one dude actually looks pretty awesome with this this black and red like kabuki face paint.
0: I know, right? Yeah, he, he... I was like, oh, that's kind of pretty. That... I'm I'm impressed. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like that guy looked totally cool. I was I was I was visually engaged until. <laughs> Like, what this guy starts doing is blowing people away indiscriminately with a shotgun. He shoots a guy. Yep. He shoots a dog. Yup. That was awful. That was awful. Like, like <laughs> I had tried to, like, I, I tried to give you a little bit of a warning just that, like, hey... I, I looked at Does the Dog Die and, and this there there's a, a dog that dies in this.
0: I love that you run it through that filter for me because you know my love of dogs and you're like, hold on, I have to see Does the Dog Die?
1: <laughs> it's for me too. If I we're we're not I don't just just to plug here, I think it's important to run anything through Does the Dog Die if you're not sure because <laughs> it is a <laughs> It is a wonderful site that now tells you a lot more things. There's there's a whole metric of stuff. Like, is there is there stuff involving eyeballs? Is there stuff involving other pets? Toxic Avenger checks a lot of those boxes. <laughs> yup. So, um, a, a guy gets shot, a dog gets shot, and and yeah, the it's another bit of the stunt and uh, effects team. Like, it, it's actually interesting. The moment where the dog gets shot looks very real and is incredibly upsetting. And then later on, there is a shot of what is supposed to be the dog's body, and the the only like thing I can take away to make myself happier is it is so blatantly obvious that the dog is okay and breathing, and like <laughs> they just they poured some spaghetti on a on a golden retriever or whatever.
0: <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh.
1: Anyway, that poor dog. That poor. I dog. feel like he had
0: to be really well trained to like. To be like, okay, this is what we're going to do, Sparky. Here's the deal.
1: The dog was one of the most professional parts of this movie, without a doubt. hey So the third thing this, this Kabuki dude with the shotgun does is he points it at a baby. And yep. that part is, like most other things about this movie, incredibly upsetting. And it turns out it was so upsetting for the actor that after doing this, and after doing a movie where he had to point a shotgun at a baby, he reevaluated his life choices and quit acting.
0: <laughs> I want to imagine that that man is somewhere like being an accountant. Or something like really calm. And I feel like accountants must get sick of hearing that because they're like, oh, that's so nice of you to compare my life to something really boring. But (laughs) I really feel like this man was like, what's the exact opposite of acting in slasher films? Ah, yes, I will go be an accountant.
1: And I will never have to do anything like that again. And I will just have to drown (laughs) out the memories.
0: Exactly. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. But this scene is upsetting. Like, there's a very near rape by the woman, the blind woman, Sarah, who then goes on to be toxic Avengers girlfriend.
1: Right. The way we are introduced to the closest thing this movie has to a female protagonist is halfway through the movie, the blind girl whose dog gets shot and comes very close to getting raped. And that's what you get. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. This, This movie was not for anything other than, like, white boys...
0: Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Well, because they make fun of people who are people of color. They make fun of women. They objectify people who have different abilities. So, like, there's no one this movie is for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So in this movie, Frank, the kind of lead guy who's on knives, as he says, mm. he only has one arm. Huh. So I will say that is a vast like success for this movie, employing a differently abled actor. During the scene at the Mexican scene where his arm is ripped off, you can see that it's a prosthetic because he never uses it or really like moves it in any big way huh. until Toxie rips it off.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah. So that's like, what, one point in this movie's favor, and and we're still up to like 25 against?
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah. Although, okay, okay, so? You want to know something that's really upsetting? Of course. This movie actually breaks the Bechdel test. Like, it wins it.
1: Oh my god, you're right.
0: Isn't that upsetting,
1: Andrew? (laughs) He doesn't deserve to beat the Bechdel test.
0: But it does. There are two named women. The bully girls there is Julie and help me out here, Wanda. So Julie and Wanda, the two bully buff girls, both named. And yes, they talk a lot about their boyfriends, but they talk not about their boyfriends when they're talking about how good their new camera works and how excited they are about the new film.
1: Right, okay, all right. Uh, all right, we need to go back because I, I I have a question for you. Okay. in relation to our four bully characters, what's yes. worse? the men who actively commit murder, mm-hmm. or the women who, of their own interest and passion, take a picture of the dead body and then later masturbate to it.
0: Is that what the picture is? Yeah,
1: yeah, the scene where uh, uh, Wanda gets uh, gets, gets tortured by Toxie. She's sitting there looking at her her photo collection of of hit-and-run victims, and she's touching herself to it. Holy hell. Oh, my God. Okay,
0: so I did not realize that that was what the picture was, because, of course, I remember at the beginning in the hit-and-run scene, she's... Taking pictures, which I thought was like, okay, that's awful. I did not realize that was what she was masturbating to.
1: It's the only thing she can be. I, I, I can't remember if they show an actual shot. I think they do. Of of like one of the photographs, and it's the 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 kid. But no, like that's the only thing she can be doing, and that's the only reason <gasps> right. to have those photos there.
0: Well, and that's she does say, "I like the way the red shows up; it gets me hot." Exactly. And I, was, I was like, "Oh, the way your red and your cheeks show." I was, oh my god! I was assuming innocence on her behalf. I was just like, "Oh, she's taking a selfie and jacking off to herself."
1: I thought that's what it was. If only. I mean.
0: Nope. No. She is totally masturbating to the picture of a dead body, and oh my God, Andy, that makes it a thousand (laughs) times worse. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I need to go wash my eyes out a second time. Right?
1: We're going to I... we're gonna have to watch Totoro just to cleanse this from our palates all over again. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah, our next movie. Uh... <laughs> 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 let's do something nice and easy. But,
1: yeah, I, I watched that part and I was, I was stunned because up until that point, my answer would have absolutely been the men. But right. I, I, after after seeing that, for in, in Julie's defense, we never actually see her doing that. It's just Wanda, but still, like I don't know what is worse at that point. I guess the murder. I don't know I, either. I, I, I guess the well, murder. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't think you can make a black and white comparison very easily because both of those things are awful. Right. <laughs> Also, these women stand idly by while people are getting killed, so I don't think they're great. Like, I'm not ever... At no point in this podcast am I going to be like, these poor women, they're victims. There's no victims here. Everybody's terrible.
1: No, oh, yeah, because everybody is. My lips are waiting for you,
0: Melvin. Oh, put your arms around me. Well, okay, so let's talk about the masturbation scene, if you don't mind. Oh,
1: absolutely. Hey, go for it.
0: Um, so... In my previous conception of the movie, I had a really big problem with the fact that Toxie actively stalks these girls. Right. Because it felt very much to me like you didn't want to sleep with me, so I'm going to kill you in the way that some men actually do
1: perceive women
0: in a harmful way in our society.
1: Oh, that's that's an interesting. Okay.
0: yeah. That like you rejected me, so I'm going to kill you. And to be fair, he actually doesn't kill, Toxie doesn't kill either of the women. Right. He maims them brutally, uh, but he doesn't kill them.
1: I took that as, you turned me into a monster, here's mm. here's my vengeance, but I find it interesting that you took it in a different way.
0: I mean, maybe it's the fact that I'm a woman and I live in fear of that, but I, I don't know because I... I think I thought that before I realized the masturbation thing about the photos. Because I was like, they're not great women. I will never say they're great women. And I will never say they're not. I will never say they're blameless. But I, I was really, really bothered with how Toxie actively stalked them. Sure. And he doesn't actively go after the men who bullied him that his pursuit of the men who bullied him is really really passive. Yeah. Like he happens to come across them and he's like, "Oh yeah, I should fuck up these guys cuz they bullied me." Right. But his pursuit of the women is very active. He knows where they're going to be. He knows when they're alone and he stalks them. And I think that's a I think that's a little too real for me that I'm like, "Ooh, this scares me." Sure. So, like, he knows, for example, he knows that, I think it's... Is it Julie who gets maimed after she's masturbating? Or Wanda? Wanda. Okay. So, he knows that Wanda's boyfriend, who I don't remember the name of and I don't really care. um, He knows that he's been pulling, like, this elephant man act with Wanda. Yeah,
1: he does know that.
0: So, it kind of implies this whole thing of, like, I've been watching you i've been stalking you and i've been thinking about the worst way to torture you
1: yeah yeah i mean and and he, what he what he actually does is he picks her up in the sauna and forces her to sit on the coals which is torture
0: yeah and all while making a joke about her hot ass
1: right which
0: was just uh i couldn't stomach that very well either
1: no and i think that is more of the filmmakers trying to riff on Freddie and Jason. If if this oh, if yeah, this absolutely. was in a nightmare movie and Freddie did that, you wouldn't you, you you'd just take it in stride. Yeah, that's Freddie. But right, it, I mean, you make a really good point. The this this movie not only does it not treat women well, but it, it definitely does actively. Victimize them in ways mm-hmm. that it doesn't for their male counterparts.
0: Right, because the way that Toxie interacts with the men, he's he comes across them when they're stealing the car from the old lady.
1: Sure, I was gonna say, you know, even let's look at Sarah again, our 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 feminine lead, the the love interest of our hero. What what does she actually do besides? Serve as a victim proxy for him to rescue. And then they mm-hmm. they play up the blind shtick so that mm-hmm. there is a excuse for her to not be instantly terrified of Toxie and to fall in love with the good man, quote unquote, he is inside. But what the movie actually like shows us is she goes from near rape victim to love interest. We get the very the very weird sex scene. Between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the movie, she's bouncing around in a bikini pretending to be blind and just sitting there as I took that very much as a thing for, again, the 13 year old boy watching this to then look at.
0: Here's your pretty blonde that you don't actively hate.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the the Sarah trope of, of finding the good man inside like you were talking about is just... It's also just mishandled. She's blind, so it works, so she can fall in love with him. And then when she does draw her hands over his face, she says she's he's beautiful. But like, there's no anything more than that. There's nothing behind it other than he makes her feel. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah,
1: and I'm trying to figure out. Uh, did you ever see the movie Mask? Oh, with Cher? I have not. Yeah, yeah. I was I was trying to figure out when this movie came out. Okay, this movie. Bizarrely enough, came out the year before *Mask*, which has, at least in in this specific dynamic, the the similarities are overlapping, and and that insane that that same exact scene, a blonde blind girl feels our male protagonist's deformed face and and says he's beautiful anyway. You know, it's done note for note, but it's done so much better in *Mask*. That's 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 surprising that that came out a year later. I wonder if somebody on the production team like was a part of that somehow because that's that's just too similar for me. I don't know that's weird.
0: Well they do it also in um, Fantastic Four with Mr. the fan the, the thing. thing
1: yeah the thing you're right they do
0: it's, I think it's kind of a trope with like mishandled or battered. Or just crazy unattractive men who come across their unattractiveness late in life.
1: Sure. And and the idea that, oh, I don't see the physical beauty. I see the beauty within for a blind girl. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which being a blind, I'm not a blind woman, but like I can imagine as any blind woman would like take this in. They'd be like, this is fucked up, and I hate this stereotype. (laughs) Right. I really love how they turned it on its head in 30 Rock when uh, Kenneth meets a blind woman. And she, like, goes on a date with him, but Tracy Jordan is doing all the talking. Right. And at the end of the date, she's like, Kenneth, let me feel my face. Or let me feel your face. And so, like, Kenneth, like, puts his face forward. And she's like, oh... I have somewhere to be. And she just walks
1: away.
0: <laughs> He's a lover.
1: Well, I'm you beautiful. I think we've gone through most of what I wanted to talk about. Like we haven't even touched on the ending, but I don't think there's very much anything that bears comment other than, and I know uh, you had made a note about this as well. There is this, overwhelmingly forced hero thing where like we, we Mm -hmm. get the montage of Toxie saving people and doing heroic acts and winning over the hearts and minds of the populace of, of Tromaville. And, and there's a slight charm to that. I will admit, but it is so undeserved for at the end of the movie, um, you know, the the citizens, the the men and women to rise up and and it's mostly kids now that I think about it, to rise up mm-hmm. and defend Toxie from the evil, corrupt mayor who wants to, you know, gun him and Sarah down. And, yep, I mean, yeah, it's I feel like this movie didn't care about its own ending and neither do I. <laughs> So that's all I wanted to say. Um, Stephanie, do we want to get into uh, a little a little game?
0: Yes, yeah. I love our game.
1: A little game of uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. For anyone who is listening to episode two instead of episode zero or one, uh, there is a, a a game one can play where there is an idea that you can link any actor in the world to Kevin Bacon in Six Degrees or Less. And uh, we, we are very <laughs> big fans of this game and, and decided we wanted to play it. This is a very hard one, uh, The Toxic Avenger.
0: Yes. So Marissa Tomei is in this for like... 2 seconds. She's an extra. She's stepping out of the shower. So, we could go from Marissa Tomei uh, to Chaplin, which she was in with Robert Downey Jr. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: who was in Tropic Thunder with Tom Cruise, who was in A Few Good Men with Kevin Bacon.
1: There you go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got? I've got I've got one one more and... I don't think this is possible without Marissa Tomei, which is, is funny right. to me, but I can actually do this in one move because Marissa Tomei <gasps> was in crazy, stupid love with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh,
0: with Kevin Bacon! Uh,
1: so, well, I
0: will have to talk to my guy who does all the six degrees for me. Yeah, no. Um, in the
1: meantime, I'm I'm glad to have evened the playing field and, and gotten out of the hole. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's good. Okay, so Crazy Stupid Love is about... Crazy Stupid Love?
1: What's it about? It's one of those, like, kind of... um, Not montage. Montage is the wrong word. Ensemble. It's one of those ensemble movies like um, Valentine's Day or uh, Love Actually. Or The Holiday? Or the holiday. Yeah,
0: sorry,
1: not not the holiday. Love actually. I think the holiday, if if we're thinking of the Jack Black movie where he's actually being serious, I think that counts as well. But it Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's about a group of I, I wanna say they're in New York, New Yorkers and the romantic conflicts between the two of them. I will I will admit that it has been a very, very, very long time since I've seen this movie, and I was only half paying attention even then. <laughs> but that's still my answer.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So yeah. we've played the game. We have both decided that it is cult, so I don't feel like we need to go over that again.
1: Yeah. I, I, I wanted to say, like, it's it's cult, and whether we like it or not, <laughs> like... Yeah. The, the Midnight movie is... The fe- it, it actually had a, a, a better. It, it, it made money in the box office, which not most of the movies on our list can't say the same thing. Um, you know, had a <laughs> long standing midnight cinema screening and had such an effect for whatever reason. Yeah, it's cult.
0: All right. So, my Oscar for this movie, because most of the movies that we review have not seen the oscar stage so i want to give an honorary oscar to this movie for best transformation of a toxic wasteland into a home oh because sarah does a very nice job homemaking in their little toxic waste dump that's
1: that's actually really sweet i like that
0: i had to think about it for like a half hour right <laughs>
1: Actually, I, I really do like the moment where they like they hang up the picture of her her old support dog in the house. I know.
0: <laughs> and his name is something really sweet like Carl yeah, or something. I don't actively remember what it was, but it's like his name is above it.
1: It's Carl or Gary or something. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a cute moment. Aww. I like that. That's a very yeah. wholesome Oscar for an unwholesome movie. <laughs> I think you didn't need it. Yeah, it. right. Um, I also struggled with an Oscar. I struggled very, very much so to find some sort of superlative I could give this movie. And what I actually eventually decided to come up with, uh, to go back to the fast food scene, I give mm-hmm. The Toxic Avenger the Oscar for Best Use of Fast Food Equipment for Murder.
0: <laughs> this is the, wo- the one
1: part of the movie that I was engaged and sitting there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause like Toxie takes out the three fast food criminals and he throws our Kabuki shotgun guy into the kitchen and he lands on a table and you see the milkshake maker, uh, the the mixer for it. And as soon as I saw that, I'm just sitting there going, oh, that better go in the dude's head. The, this movie this movie <laughs> cannot get away with showing me that and not like having that be a murder weapon and the movie did not let me down he uh talks, he makes a milkshake and then sticks the mixer down the dude's throat and it's the one thing that I can be <laughs> like that's friggin awesome <laughs> Uh, so think about that next time you're enjoying a nice frosty milkshake
0: (laughs) i will never look at a milkshake the same way
1: again Uh, all right that 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 made that that picked me up and made me happy that's that's a a good fond (laughs) memory i'm gonna take away from this awful forgettable movie stephanie do you want to figure out what our next film is going to be
0: of course awesome. they do. I'm glad. <laughs> I just please don't let it be this movie on repeat for the next six years because I will quit. <laughs>
1: right. Well, we've made it two episodes. I don't want to uh, I don't want to let that be the ending. So let's go to the, <laughs> the cult of movie list I've got here. We have 292 movies to pick from. And let's see what Hollywood has in store for us. And we have. Huh, okay. <laughs> okay. Number 158. Which is? Which is Monty Python's Life of Brian.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. This is the. Um, obviously, Monty Python, I don't need. I, I shouldn't have to go into deep detail about who they are, but directed by Terry Jones. And premiering in 1979, Life of Brian is like the one people forget about between uh, the search for the Holy Grail and the meaning of the universe or the complete history of the universe. I like this one. I've, I've actually seen this movie a whole lot, uh, even when I was a kid. So I'm excited.
0: I'm pretty excited, too, because I don't think this is the Monty Python I've seen, unless it's the one where they talk about Jesus...
1: Yes this is the one that tackles religion and and the uh, a, a lot of a lot of Bible stuff
0: okay so I've seen <laughs> exactly half of this
1: Oh brilliant okay <laughs> Oh brilliant uh, for people playing at home and interested in watching this movie before the review comes out at time of recording uh, life of Brian is available on Netflix and it can also be found on YouTube if you uh, if you search hard enough.
0: Well, that's all for this addiction of cult fiction. If you want to keep up, you can follow us on Twitter at Cult fiction Cast. We'll close the crypt for now.
1: But join us next time when we look on the bright side of life with Monty Python's Life of Brian. For Stephanie Johnson, I've been Andy Bowell.
0: Thanks, bye! Hey, hey, hi, hi.